the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, to reconcile, it takes two reasonable people. It really does. But if you're willing to not measure someone negatively in your mind, God will not measure against you in time judgment. He will be there to have mercy for you. Well, we are up to the last of the Revelation series with a message entitled, The Two Prophets and the Beast from the Abyss. We brought you the first portion of this message the last time we were together, and we will conclude it here now today. Thank you for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Well, let's get underway, shall we, with the last message in the Revelation series entitled, The Two Prophets and the Beast from the Abyss. We hope you enjoy it, and we do appreciate you listening. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentango. In addition to synagogue imagery as the minimal legal requirement for the death penalty to be administered against someone who's guilty. So God has patterned it so that you have a prophetic witness on one side of a time prophecy. You have a prophetic witness on the other side of a time prophecy as two witnesses. So if you don't obey God's word, if you don't obey his prophetic warning, the death penalty which comes through disobedience and rebellion can fall upon the unbeliever. In Deuteronomy 17.6, it says, On the evidence of two witnesses, or of three witnesses, he that is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. So at the end of the 1260 years, the judgment sits in heaven in Daniel 7. The books are opened. It is seen that a little horn power, a church-state union of the Middle Ages that has taken the place of Jesus Christ is guilty of the deaths of millions of believers who stood for the Bible and the Word of God. And in that heavenly judgment, that medieval church-state system comes down at the end of the 1260 years. The Bible says the beast dies and the death penalty is meted out. In Revelation 11.5, the death penalty falls on the very church state power that chose to harm the truths of God's word during the Middle Ages that put priests and others above the Bible. And look what happens in verse 5. If anyone would harm them, speaking of the Bible, the Old New Testament's fire pours out from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, thus he is doomed to be killed. The little horn power of the Middle Ages that persecuted God's people in Daniel 7 For 1260 years, that power comes down, a fiery judgment in Daniel 7, 12, when the Bible says the beast's body was given over to be burned with fire. In Psalms 19, the fiery heat of the sun is a symbol for the burning power of God's word. God's word brought the medieval power down just on time at the end of the 1260 years. So the witnesses were prophesying that this would happen as a result of apostasy and a violation of God's word. In Revelation eleven six, the two witnesses prophesy during a time of spiritual drought when God's word was utterly ignored in the church. Look what it says. They have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood 
and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. The black death and the horrors of the Middle Ages are described in this single verse. In Revelation eleven three, the two witnesses prophesy for 1,260 days or 1,260 years. That's the time the church goes into the wilderness after the ascension of Christ, before the second coming of Christ. It has to be the Middle Ages. And during this time, there is no rain that falls for the church because the love of the world has replaced the teachings of God's word. The spring rains of the Holy Spirit poured out at the Feast of the Pentecost are gone in the Middle Ages. It is a dark, terrible time for Bible belief. The Holy Spirit of the early church has been driven away during the time of this church-state apostasy of the Middle Ages. And the sun has been darkened by the locust scourge of the fifth trumpet. The false prophetess Jezebel, spoken of in the church of Thyatira, has come back and idol worship is in vogue again. It's as if Elijah is needed all over again to fix the Christian church as he fixed it in the Old Testament. Luke 4.25, Jesus says this, But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, when there came a great famine over all the land. I mean, when men and women do not follow the Bible, when people place reason and philosophy over Scripture, when the Bible can no longer have its necessary effect to bring us to Christ, to convict us of sin, to instruct us in the way, the rain stops falling. And as a result, we enter a time of famine when people cry out for God's word. And without the Bible coming back, without the reins of the Holy Spirit, you can't have vital Christianity. And so the medieval captivity, the medieval apostasy must be reversed at the time of the end. Elijah prophesied because Jezebel had corrupted the faith of Israel by introducing pagan concepts and mingling the true worship of Israel with Baal worship. During the 1260 years, God's people were also led astray by the introduction of foreign elements to the Christian faith. It's a fact that the mother of the queen of heaven and the great mystery religions became the focus of the adoration of Mary in the Middle Ages. It is a provable historical fact. It started at Ephesus in the Diana cult. It slipped directly into the Christian church. And in the 5th to 6th centuries, the church was corrupted by it. For 400 years, it had not been so. But in 451, at the great Council of Chalcedon, as the formulation of the Trinity came into place in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they referred to Mary as the mother of God, meaning that God had to have a human origin. And this was directly in line with the great mystery religions. That wasn't all. You go to Vatican today and you come to the statue of St. Peter, and I've seen it. Many people bow down at that statue as they began to do when it was first introduced into the church. That statue is the statue of Jupiter, the great God of the Greeks. They put Peter's name at the bottom of it so it would work in the church. And so the very idols that people were bowing down to in the mystery religion phase of the Roman Empire, during the great era of, of Roman and Greek religion, they now could bow down to right in the Christian church. I've been to Vatican and I've seen the burial sarcophaguses of, of Christians. You can go for the first 300 years of the Christian church. You'll find nothing on those burial boxes but the stories of the Bible, pictures of Jonah and the whale, Jesus and the wise men, this kind of thing, feeding the multitude. But when you get to the time of Constantine, right after the Diocletian persecution, 
You'll see pagan symbols right there coming into those burial boxes. You'll see seashells, which represent the worship of the sun god. You'll see pine cones, which are a fertility symbol, coming right into the, the sarcophaga imagery. You'll see clear representations of paganism and Christianity fused in the fourth century. The Bible predicted that this would happen. And how can this be avoided in the Christian context? The only way to avoid it is to make a decision right here and now that no one can determine for you what is truth but the Word of God, the Old and New Testaments, the two witnesses. And when you set those two things aside, there is no way you can know what's truth in your life. And so the church set them aside. How? Because they chose the bishops and the leaders to make decisions for them instead of letting the Bible be the basis of authority. The church went into the wilderness. And Revelation eleven seven describes a kingdom coming into existence. At the end of this awful 1260 years, around the year 1798, that makes war upon the two witnesses of the Old and New Testaments. A beast comes out of the abyss that will be the basis of a secular new world order. And the Bible is very clear. The mark of the beast issue at the end of time will be a secular phase of world beast domination whereby religion will be enforced through secular methods and means and the word of God will be set aside for the commandments of men. Verse 7, Revelation eleven seven. when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends from the bottomless pit will make war upon them, the Old and New Testaments, and conquer them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city which is allegorically called Sodom in Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three days and a half, men from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. It's very clear in verse 9. That people from all over the world, from every nation, tribe, and tongue here, would make war upon the Bible. Now, it's instructive that in Revelation 10, 11, following the great disappointment of 1844, the Bible is very clear. You must again prophesy with an understanding of the book of Daniel to me, nations, kindreds, tribes, and tongues. So at the very time, we have here an attack upon the Bible that is global. Here are five observations from the verses we have just read that are worthy of mention. Observation number one. A beast arises from the abyss that is symbolic of a new kingdom in world history. The Bible is clear. Verse 7 says the beast ascends from the bottomless pit. According to Daniel 7.23, a beast is symbolic of a world kingdom power. The bottomless pit is the special place reserved for the devil at the end of the millennium in Revelation 21. And in Revelation 9.2 and 3, evil spirits smoke. And the locust scourge that follows are released from the bottomless pit. They make war on the Bible. When you put it all together, a kingdom arises around the year 1798 that is based on satanic spiritual principles. And this beast from the abyss makes war on the two witnesses of the Old and New Testament. So the Bible says as we move out of the Middle Ages into the modern era, we can be confident of a culture, of a world kingdom structure that will make war upon the Bible. Observation number two. In Revelation eleven eight, the attack against God's word starts in a great city in the context of Europe. Observation number three. The city or capital of this new kingdom from the abyss is called Sodom and Egypt prophetically. Now in the Bible, the city of Sodom represents what? What's Sodom famous for? Immor, 
Immorality, exactly. I mean, look at Genesis 19, 4 and 5. This is the last night of Sodom. Two witnesses, two angels come to prophesy against that city and they try to destroy the two witnesses. Look at verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men? And there were two of them, two angels that had come that night. Where are they who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. So very clearly, immorality and hatred against God's messengers. Egypt, in contrast, in association with Sodom, represents godlessness. Exodus 5, verse 2, But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should heed his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Observation number four. In Revelation eleven nine, the two witnesses, symbolizing the Old and New Testaments, suffer an attack for three and a half symbolic days, which means three and a half literal years. Observation number five. Celebrations occur in the streets of the great city around the year 1798 at the end of the 1260 years. So here's the big question. What is the beast from the bottomless pit here described and what is the great city? History shows us that only one kingdom matches all of these characteristics. It is the atheistic secular state that was immoral in nature that arose during the French Revolution around 1798 that was in fact a world revolution that changed the landscape of religion and the world. It was the kingdom of France that arose in the revolution. The great city is Paris and the emergence of that kingdom has created a new secular world order that has made war on God's word today and the Bible. The beginning of the three and a half years started on November 24, 1793. The churches of Paris were closed and the public reading of the Bible forbidden. I'm reading from A. Allard, Christianity and the French Revolution, page 109, that is the defining source of history on this subject. The commune of Paris was thus emboldened to kick over the traces, if one may say so. And on the third premiere of the year two, the 24th of November, 1793, they're using an Egyptian calendar system here. On the request of Chalmay, it decreed, quote, that all churches and chapels of every religion and sect which exist in Paris shall be closed forthwith, end quote, and anyone who asks for their reopening should be arrested as a suspicious person. When you close the churches, you shut down the reading of the Bible. And so in Paris, France, which had been the bastion of the ancient religion of the Middle Ages, suddenly there is an attack upon the Bible. It's a reaction against the medieval church-state union. I'm reading again from Allard, page 108. The movement of dechristianization quickly became general in Paris. Almost all parts of the town renounced religion, closed the parish churches, and then reopened them as temples of reason. Again, page 110 of Allard. Taken as a whole, the tendency of the movement was to substitute what was called natural religion for Christianity in any form. Page 111, the popular gatherings for worship in Paris were joyful, full of childish playfulness in spite of the pedantry of a few learned people. They were dancing in the streets that the Bible had been destroyed. They were grateful that God was gone and that reason was enthroned and the old religion had passed away. Allison, Volume 1, Chapter 10, he, he writes this, Speaking of a prostitute paraded through the streets of Paris and hailed as the goddess of reason, 
The goddess, after being embraced by the president, was mounted on a magnificent car and conducted amid an immense crowd to the Cathedral Notre Dame to take the place of deity. There she was elevated on the high altar and received the adoration of all present. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Observation number six. At the end of the three and a half symbolic days, which is three and a half literal years, the Bible is restored. Look at verse 11, Revelation 11. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up hither, and in the sight of their foes, they went up to heaven in a cloud. So using inclusive biblical reckoning, the end of the three and a half years occurs in April of 1797. Three and a half years from the time that religion was outlawed in Paris. In April, the churches in Paris were reopened because of popular demand. And as a result, the public reading of the Bible was reinstated in Protestant churches and in Jewish synagogues, but the medieval church was excluded by oppression. A. Allard, page 150 and 51. At the Easter festival of April in 1797, Germany year five, he calls it, if we may rely on one of its ministers, services were held in 50 chapter, chapels or churches in Paris. The clergy had full liberty to celebrate their worship with large congregations, both Protestants and Jews submitted to the laws and silently enjoyed the liberty accorded them after centuries of persecution. In a letter written to Napoleon in 1797, one year before the end of the 1260 years, it is at the end of the three and a half years of suppressed religion in Paris, the Directory of France appealed for the destruction of the medieval papacy. The Roman religion would always be the irreconcilable enemy of the Republic, Allard writes. It must be struck in France. It must be struck in Rome. This is the directory of France writing Napoleon. That is to destroy, if possible, the center of the unity of the Roman Church. And it is for you who unite in your person the most distinguished qualities of the general to realize the same. I mean, so the French Revolution was an attack upon the medieval church-state system of the Middle Ages. It brought it down. And so Napoleon sent Berthier in 1798 and it happened at the end of the 1260 years the death sentence was met the church state fusion of the middle ages was ripped apart revelation 11 is the story of the beast from the abyss and the rise of unbelief and atheism and secularism and the attack on the bible in the modern world the book of daniel was unsealed at the end of the 1260 years in the year 1798 in 1798 the oppressive church-state system of Europe came to an end at the hands of the French army. And what does that mean? It means that afterwards, neither Catholics nor Protestants nor anyone else could boss you around very much. We have freedom in the modern world to believe the Bible, even though the modern world is oppressive against it. And it's a good thing that no church is able to govern the state system of the world. But the other side is also horrible, that atheistic secularism has been responsible for the deaths of probably 200 million people 
since this event occurred. 50 million under Stalin, 75 million under Mao. Atheism and secularism have been no friend to Christianity and no friend of the Bible. It's just that, unfortunately, it is what it is. We live in a time of opportunity because we can grow and know that many people have died at the hands of these awful powers. In Revelation 11, the Bible predicted a movement that would arise to blind the world to the prophecies of the book of Daniel. At the very time when the book of Daniel was unsealed, these two witnesses were attacked by the appearance of an atheistic, secular world order in the French Revolution that would treat the Bible as foolishness. At the very moment when God was unsealing the prophecies for the time of the end, Satan raised up a kingdom system to teach the world that the Bible doesn't matter. If you go to our secular universities today, you go into a biology classroom and they'll tell you the Bible is nothing but a myth book. And they do it with the authority as as if they know what's going on. If somehow because they, they have scientists in the mix that they know what happened at the very beginning of time. And they will nullify the Bible as a fact that you start out in to get a PhD in biology. You cannot even enter the intellectual spectrum today without giving up faith in the Bible. Friend, there must be a generation of Christians on earth today who don't buy into this stuff, who say we will stand for the word of God because there are different ways to measure truth. We know from prophecy that the Bible is true and we will extrapolate that it is true in science too. We will not bow down to the altar of an end time system of unbelief. We will not receive the mark of the beast. We will not receive the approval of any kingdom at the end but Jesus. Satan raised up a world kingdom power to attack the Bible. And I believe that God is moving on a generation of young people who will believe in the Bible again, who will take the word of God, who will study it, who will live it, who will be willing to die for it at the time of the end, and who will not compromise its teachings in the church. The Bible describes the aftermath of the social and political earthquake of the French Revolution, Revelation 11, 13. At that hour... There was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the great earthquake. And the remnant in the Greek became fearers of God and gave glory to the God of heaven. That's how the Greek language reads. Jacques Philippot, a Huguenot pastor in the Counter-Reformation, wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation. And he predicted based on this verse that France would bring down the old medieval order at the end of the 1260-year prophecy. Here's how he did it. The harlot that sits over the beast with ten horns, representing the ten nations of Europe, has dominion over the kings of the earth in Revelation 17. The Bible is clear here that a tenth of the city would fall, which means one of the nations of Europe, there would be a revolution. It would fall. And he reasoned that based upon the power and strength of France that it would be that kingdom because it brought the fusion together at the beginning of the 1260 years. A hundred years before it happened, he predicted the very nation that would bring it down. A few years before 1798, Bible students nailed it. 1798, the end of the 1260 years. Friend, we aren't coming up with this stuff as of late. We are standing on the shoulders of men and women who died for the Bible who died to share its truths. The Greek literally reads, the remnant became ones who fear and they gave glory to the God of heaven. What does the first angel's message say? I saw an angel fly in mid-heaven with an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell upon the earth. Every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue saying with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory 
for the hour of his judgment has come. The Bible describes a small group of people, a remnant. 50 people came out of the ashes of the great disappointment of 1844. They would prophesy again. They would take the truths of Daniel. They would apply it to the whole word of God. They would preach the gospel and prophecy together. And they would be faithful to God. Shortly after 1798, 7,000 people bowed the knee to Baal in the Old Testament. There aren't 7,000 people left at the end of the Middle Ages according to Bible prophecy. There are only 50 that weathered the great disappointment of 1844 who would not throw away prophetic truth, who struggled to understand the sanctuary, who committed themselves to obey the Bible no matter what it took. And they are pictured as a movement that would arise, that would stand in opposition to this beast from the abyss, that would stand for the word of God, for the two witnesses, the open book of Daniel and Jesus Christ. And they fear God, they love God, they keep his commandments, and they give glory to him because the hour of his judgment has come. The sixth woe is the sixth trumpet, Seventh trumpet is the third woe that follows. We are living in the seventh trumpet today. We will talk about it in days to come. Today we'll be baptizing a number of our children who have accepted Jesus Christ. How many of you are thrilled about that? I'm thrilled about it. What kind of young people do we want them to be in the church? I want Bible-believing Christians that we baptize. What about you? I don't want a compromising convert in this church. I want someone who loves Jesus, who wants to follow his word, is not going to play around with it. We want them to grow in Christ, to be found in Christ as men and women of God who reverence the Bible and are obedient to Him. That is the conclusion to the Revelation series here on Reaching Your Heart, a message entitled The Two Prophets and the Beast from the Abyss. Remember, you can listen to it again at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.